The Fulton County Library System presents Shaggy Gal Full Co Library. Hello, everyone. I'm Kay, and I'm here with my co-host, Rachel, and you are checking out Fulton Co. Library. We'd like to welcome the Executive Director of the Fulton County Library System, Gail Holloman. Thank you for joining us, Gail. You're welcome. Okay, so at the conclusion of 2019, you accepted the position of Executive Director, and we're pretty sure that you had and still have some major plans for the Fulton Library System to take it to the next level. However, Earlier this year, the world was hit with a global pandemic that turned everyone's lives upside down and changed how we operate even to this day. So can you tell us how this pandemic has affected the library system so far? Well, Rachel, it has affected the library system greatly as it has all of the libraries throughout the nation. Um, we, we had a lot of plans. I had a lot of plans coming into the position and a lot of those things have been somewhat put on hold or at least are a little bit tepid right now. Uh, it's a little difficult when you're not face-to-face. So it affected the fact that we don't operate in a face-to-face capacity, even with each other. We're doing so much Zoom uh, and, and other uh, teleconferencing uh, techniques now is what we're using. And so all of that has made life different. And I'm not saying it's difficult, it's just different. And so we're having to operate in a much more virtual world So what we decided to do here and around the nation is to spend more time beefing up our virtual collections, our virtual resources. So you've noticed and you'll see that we have a lot of uh, patrons who are really gravitating to our virtual resources because they're more robust. We're getting ready to add six more, and we're also getting ready to enhance three of our regular um, resources that we've carried, which means things like overdrive are going to be much more enhanced. Uh, for people to be able to check out e-books and audio books. We're going to have a lot more usage of Hoopla and Freegal for your movies and your music. We have a lot more database usage with children being out of school now, not exactly knowing when school will start again. And for homeschoolers who are still continuing to utilize our resources in our, in our databases. And so that has made life a lot different. We had the opportunity to continue the use of hotspots and the lending of laptops that were already in place and out to students. They continue to use it. We also worked alongside Georgia Public Library Service to provide a couple of instances where uh, laptops and hotspots were needed for some students who were about to graduate from high school and one who was in college needing to finish up her credits and did not have those e- that equipment. So we were able to provide it, to find a way for, to meet that student and actually uh, provide that student and another one with those e- the equipment items to be able to continue to do their homework. So there are a lot of opportunities that it has presented, um, and we're still in the midst of it. To that end, we're getting ready to start our curbside service at the library. Prior to that, we have had staff who've been teleworking, doing all sorts of activities at home, creating book uh, marks and uh, other readers' advisory uh data and information. Uh, We've had a lot of managers who have been out teleworking, but they've been designing ideas and creating ideas for future programs, as well as participating in virtual programs. We've had a very um, robust Ask a Librarian uh, uh, set up in which we've had over 30 employees participate consistently from, it started out as a Monday through Friday 
uh, opportunity for patrons. And now it is expanded to seven days a week, eight hours a day, where they're able to call, ask a librarian and, and ask a librarian questions. So that's something we really beefed up and we will continue to do as, as we move into the curbside pickup. So it's, it has to be a phased in process. I'm sure you guessed that that's what we're doing right now, which is consistent with what is happening around us in this area of, of Georgia, as well as through the nation. We're not in love with the fact that that's going to happen, but it's the best way to do it for safety of our patrons and our staff. And so what we're trying to do is make sure we're looking into social distancing needs, proper personal uh, equipment, so that uh, the people will be at least able to wear masks and gloves and whatever may be needed in order to be able to function in this new environment. So I don't know if you have questions about curbside service. I can go into it now. Or did you want me to say something about something else at this moment? Actually, we, we do have questions. We're actually going to save that towards the end. We're going to get more okay. into the breakdown. But I did want to ask you, um, so I know with the pandemic, we don't, we don't know what the future holds. But as a professional as you are, um, how do you see the pandemic affecting the library long term in case this is something that goes on for the next couple of years? I mean, this can be in terms of kinds of materials purchased for circulation or programs created or how staff interacts with patrons. I think it's going to greatly affect how we operate in the future, how libraries will look. You know, for a number of years, people have talked about the, the library of the future. How is it going to look? What's it going to be about? And do we have any relevance anymore? And of course, we, we answered that, I think, throughout the library world by creating all of our uh, online resources. We've answered that by um, take more technology in our libraries uh, and also by being responsive to the digital divide, that there are still people who are not all hooked up online and a part of the whole technology movement. So I think we've had to be cognizant of all of those things. Uh, I think the future is going to look different in the sense that we're going to probably continue doing more uh, teleconferencing type uh, activities. I think training uh, is going to be a focus uh, that we'll, um, we'll have, and it will have to be done teleconferencing-wise. Um, uh, and we're going to probably have to partner more with schools in this whole process of teleconferencing. I can see us doing distance learning uh, opportunities. And in, in years past, we really broached that, and uh, we never did fully take off with it. I think now is the time to start investing in it and looking into it. I've always wanted to see kids in schools when I was a children's librarian. I always imagined and never quite got to do it because we didn't have the technology at the time. But to be able to have kids come to the library with a program and they're here in, a, in the metro Atlanta area in Fulton County. And but they're doing some kind of project or they're online talking with kids in Denmark or kids over in Nairobi or somewhere, you know. We, we, I think we have to see things in a bigger picture. And I also think that we, it's going to force us to see things more of an, on an international level. I think it's a great opportunity for us to, to lead children into being citizens of the world. And I, I know that we have, particularly in our inner city communities, a lot of children who don't see beyond where they live. And they don't know that, that they may watch television, but they sort of think that's a fantasy, almost like a Marvel comic or something. And they don't necessarily understand that there's a larger world out there. And I think this may pose a, a lot of opportunities for us to, to really embrace what's there for the, for the society to see that there is a larger world. And then that might encourage people to read more, learn more, travel more, do more, uh, cook, 
different foods and experience them, even if they're stuck in their homes. Uh, maybe they'll have a, we'll have a cooking show that we can show them from how to cook Indian food or some other some other specialty, and 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 do that at home with their families. So you're getting the family involved. I think the family. Uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for libraries to explore how we can affect families. I still have a passion, even though I don't have grandchildren yet. I have a passion for grandparents raising grandchildren. There's a lot of that going on now. And I think that we're going to have much more opportunities to help those grandparents, help them learn the technology, help them embrace the technology, and do special programming for them that will help them to help their grandchildren or other children or other people who might be in, under their care. I also think that this pandemic is forcing us to really look at how we encourage people and what we provide for people who are caregivers, uh, for them mentally, uh, for them with uh, just day-to-day -day needs, uh, as well as just day-to-day -day needs of people who need to understand better just how to operate as they age, uh, even though they may not have any significant health issues, but just what do you do as you get older? How do you set up social security? How do you do those types of things? So I think that we're going to do a lot more of that. I think we're going to be forced to do it. And I think it's a good thing. Uh, and it, it's not necessarily always a force. I think that's the, what we've been doing in a lot of ways already. I just think we have to enhance it. I know that we used to do a lot of that at the old Central Library in particular. Uh, right there on the fourth floor, there was a whole lot of opportunity there for getting online and helping people uh, be able to figure out how to navigate their own personal lives and life skills needs. So I think that's something that we can do more uh, throughout our entire library system. And that's what I'd like to see us focus on. The pandemic has impacted how many of us think about what's important in our lives and in our careers. How has it impacted you as the executive director of the largest library system in Georgia? Oh, what was the first part of that again? Um, the pandemic has impacted how many of us think about what's important in our lives and our careers. And how has that impacted you as the executive director of the largest library system in Georgia? What's important in our lives. Yes, ma'am. Well, I, I do think that it has impacted us on what's important in our lives. I think that there are a number of things going on with the pandemic. I think there are a number of things going on in the world proper. Uh, that uh, that's kind of because we've been sitting at home, so to speak, or working at home, or whatever, whatever those things might be uh, in our particular cases. I think it has forced our attention to things like never before. You know, I think sometimes you sort of like you walk into a room, the television's on, and you hear and see the news, but you don't quite pay attention. I think now we've been captive. We had captive audiences. And so I think it has made us sit down and think about a lot of things. I think it's made us think about kindness. I think it's made us think about um, our own mortality, our health. I think it's uh, those types of things impact libraries. And as the largest library system in the Southeast, I think that we have to be concerned with uh, how do we fit in then? How do we promote those programs that's going to help people to have a healthier lifestyle or better eating habits? or practice meditation, or um, try and find ways to be kinder, to learn about other people, like I was talking about earlier, with the distance learning piece. Um, I think, I think it's, it's forced us to do a lot of those types of things. I know for myself, I tend to reflect back on, on things I learned in childhood. I remember right here, as a, going to school right here in Atlanta, that my teachers from middle school through high school had a certain set of poems that they always wanted us to read. And I learned those poems. I almost still have them in my memory. It's beginning to, to uh, I can't always remember each word, but at one point I can remember every word of Edgar Guest's poems. And, and, and that's an old fashioned way of, an old fashioned model. But 
it was through school that I learned those things and in, in textbooks and in poetry books. And those things stuck with me. Rudy Kipling's If, you know, that became a part of my life. And it, it, um, it made an impact on how I saw things and how I, what I wanted my life to look like. And so I think that we don't promote those things anymore because we think, oh, that was then. I think that there's an opportunity for us to go back to some of that and to go to some of the new things, uh, to embrace rap as a form of poetry, as an example, you know, because it really is poetry. And to be able to delve in, I mean, there's a class taught at, at, at some colleges on certain rappers. I mean, there's a class on Jay-Z, can you imagine? <laughs> and I think that we've got to stay up and be very uh, mindful of the trends that are taking place. And I do think that that's something that's very important for all of us, whether we are a new librarian or uh, in our middle uh, of our careers or about to wind our careers down, we've got to be relevant. And that means we've got to stay with the trends and understand where society is going. And then I think we have to always keep in mind censorship issues. We have to keep in mind diversity uh, concerns that we're promoting and doing what is healthy and right for our various communities under the Constitution, under the Bill of Rights, and under the, the rules and regulations of the American Library Association. So I think there's a whole lot involved, and I think it's going to take a lot of us to pull our, put our heads together and really make it work. So during the closing of the library, um, why do you feel it, why did you feel it was necessary to offer virtual programming? Oh, I think it's very much, uh, you don't want to lose a complete tie. That would have been, um, I mean, we would have pretty much lost everything. We'd have been closed to the public. We wouldn't have had anything much that we were offering except, you know, the few things we were. And I think if we didn't have the virtual presence, uh, people knew about it beforehand. And so you don't want to take something away that you've given or started. That's always a bad thing. And then you want to enhance it. And because of the Board of Commissioners, we were given additional funding to be able to do so. And I think that's wonderful, and it's a great testament to their their uh, support that they uh, that they continue to give us, along with the Board of Trustees and the Library Foundation Board. So it was very important because you um, there are needs out there. There are great needs, and once the schools closed uh, and closed early and didn't know if they would be able to finish the school year in a more normal, traditional way, I thought it became very imperative upon us uh, that we that we find ways to help with that. And we did find ways to make that happen. We were doing some of that all along. So um, it wasn't completely new to us. And that was the other thing. It's what we do. So why would you not want to continue with what you know how to do and just do it better? Exactly. So with the inability to host an actual in-person summer reading program, since we are in summer now, um, can you tell the, I mean, how can the public still get involved and participate in this year's summer reading? Well, right now with Summer Reading for Children, we have the um, uh, streaming story time. It's uh, Facebook Live, and it's been very, very well received. I'm told that uh, children are just loving it every day at 11 a.m., and that's a wonderful thing. We have our librarians, and we also have guest readers who come on, and they are just wonderful and animated and full of life and enthusiastic and all those great words uh, to really make uh, a difference in children's lives, and, and it's, it's interactive in the sense that uh, some of them are interactive. And then also they can uh, give us feedback and tell us how much they enjoyed it or not. And we've just had really rave results and, and rave compliments about how that's going. And I think that's keeping us in people's houses. It's keeping us right there. It's something to look forward to. It's also something to help parents who are teleworking and have children at home be able to have something to, to to, to look forward to and to take their attention while the parent might be 
uh, doing something else. It's an opportunity for a parent to sit with a child who's even younger and needs to have that kind of care and concern as they watch and learn. So we've got a lot of things there. We've got for adults, a story time program for adults. It's called Book Break. We've got uh, book clubs for teens. So we've got a lot of things for all ages. And I think that was the important thing for us to do so that we did not lose focus and we did not lose the audiences we'd already built. And we could also gain some audiences. When you took the position of executive director, I imagine the picture that you had in your mind of what it would be like getting through the renovations was very different three or four months ago than it is today. What is your vision going forward and how has it changed with the pandemic and all of the recent events in our society? Well, it's changed with the pandemic in the sense that, uh, I mean, the program itself, the the renovation program itself is continuing, the uh, capital improvement program, but uh, they continue to work through it. Uh, There's been uh, no slowdown from the fact that there's a virus. The contractors and subcontractors have been amazing. And so that has not been a problem. The concern I have is that we want to have, we want to do what we've always done in the communities, and that is to have a grand reopening. And that's what's going to affect greatly uh, right now at the st- where, I'm, where I'm sitting at this very moment. It does not appear that we are going to be able to have the what I call the big splashy event with uh, everybody speaking and, and the people coming in and being amazed and all those great things that children's faces when they come back and see uh, what these uh, libraries have transformed into. That is the the moment that we look forward to and everybody, contractors and everybody look forward to that. Uh, All of our elected representatives, all of our uh, staff, everybody, all of our stakeholders have looked forward to that. And we're gonna have to figure out another way to do it. So we have a challenge right now. And that's for myself as well as our entire administrative team is to be able to to, to find a way to do uh, some sort of virtual response some sort of a virtual reopening and how do you do a virtual reopening? So that's something we're learning. This has been an amazing time for learning things you never knew you needed to know and for uh, just trying to, to figure your way. And, and I think we've had a lot of support. We've had a lot of, uh, uh, op- we're beginning to find a lot of opportunities that we didn't know existed and we've just got to figure out how to do it. But that's the greatest challenge right now with the renovation project. We still have, um, about seven or eight uh, that have to reopen uh, in a, well, we were hoping in a traditional fashion. And we've got to bring them on board. They'll most likely come on board with curbside service. And then uh, we still have the Hayville Library, which is a new build that will be um, coming on board. And then finally, the Central Library. So there's still a lot in play. And uh, staff went back to work January, I, mean, I keep saying January, June 15th. And um, that's it. All of our libraries, 23 of them, and then at three of the renovated libraries to go ahead and start getting the books on the shelves for those libraries because those books have been in storage. So we're looking forward to um, everybody starting this new phase of curbside service and seeing where it takes us. And and that in itself is a project because um, it's something we've never experienced, never done. We're trying to take our cues from others that are in the midst of it. And um, we're just asking for patience from our public. Uh, to understand that we are learning along with them and that we want it to go as smoothly as I'm sure they will want it to go. We may have some, some glitches, but we're going to try and work them through and, uh, and just find a way to make it all happen. Well, speaking of curbside service, the big, the, the million dollar question that everybody wants to know, like everybody wants to know, 
Um, the Fulton County Library System will be soon offering curbside service to their patrons starting at July 1st. Can you give us some insight on what the public can expect? Well, the public can expect to, to drive up to a location. First of all, let's back up a little bit. We promised staff, we promised patrons rather, that they would not lose their place in line, meaning the holes, items that they have placed on hold. Those books that they looked into the system uh, online, saw that we had the title they wanted someplace, and then they put it on hold. Uh, they designate where they'd like to pick it up. So currently there are items to be picked up because we never uh, went back in and allowed people to do any other holds. So normally when you get a hold, you take it home, but then somebody else might see it in the catalog and put a hold on it as well. So you became number one, but this person might, might not be number two or whatever. Well, we didn't allow that to happen, which means your hold should still be available. We now have um, them to, need for them to understand that they're going to drive through a drive up to the curb or the sidewalk. You know, we want to give it a fancy name, but it could be the curb, the sidewalk, uh, and that we will uh, you will we will know that you're out there. You will let us know ahead of time that you're there by calling your number that's going to be on the sign. And then we will have your items in a bag along with some informational handouts. And then we put it in the trunk of your car. You pop your trunk, we drop it in, or you can open your back door. We'll drop it on the back seat or back floor uh, if that's what you prefer. It's a contactless service that will be signage to direct people as to just how to go through uh, the line and how to go through the, uh, to the point where you get your items. It is not the most ideal situation, but it is the one that we feel would best be the best way now to phase back into um, an even better situation as we go forward. I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work very nicely. I do think that we have to consider that there could be glitches and hiccups to it. But uh, as I said a few minutes ago, we're going to work through it and we're going to make it happen. And we just ask that uh, the public will bear with us as we also learn with them. But we intend that we've been working hard. The staff has really put together a great plan, I think, and um, I believe that it's just a matter of understanding it well and executing it. As of now, do you have any plans to officially open the library doors to the public? No, not as of right now. We are thinking about trying to work out a plan toward that and when that might happen and how that might look, but we don't have it right now. Okay, and final question. Where can we send patrons? Where can patrons go? when they want to find out more information regarding the curbside pickup? Well, we're going to be updating periodically, and I ask that you really, that they continue to look at our website because things do change. I, I always tell the staff it's, all, it's fluid day-to-day, -day basically. But our website, uh, www.fullflowlibrary.org, go to that. The information will be updated there. Big old sign says curbside service. Uh, information will be there. Uh, you can click it on a button, click it on there and get information as, as I continue to remind people, it is updated. And so as we learn more, do more, I have to change things and we may have to change some things. Pay attention to what's there. And I realize that some people might not go online uh, and they or they may have friends that don't necessarily use all those type technologies. But you can also call in. Uh, if you walk up, there'll be a number to call if you want to put something on hold. Uh, if for some reason you had a hold, but you have to walk up to get it, we can do that too. So just, just pay attention to the information going out. We're doing a marketing campaign. We're trying to make sure that we get the word out uh, so that people will know and so people can share the information. Thank you so much, Gail, for joining us here on the Checking Out the Full Co. Library podcast. And thank you to all of you for listening 
Make sure to check us out every Friday on Spotify and other podcast apps. I'm your host, Kay, with my co-host, Rachel, and we will check you out next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fulton County Library Systems, checking out Full Library.